0: Welcome to Trinity. We're a church family learning how to follow Jesus in the city of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive.
1: Today's reading is taken from Ruth chapter 3. You can read from your Bibles or on the screen. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter... I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose woman you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing badly on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the young younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured out, poured into it Six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Hello, nice to be here with you. Um, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to tell you some stuff. Uh, So Jesus, I thank you so much for every single person in this room. Lord, thank you that you have called them here this this evening, that you are with us, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, now that you would open our ears to hear what you have to say to us this evening. God, I thank you that it will be different for every person in this room. Lord, open our ears, open our hearts. We want to hear from you, Jesus. And God, I pray that you'd help me to say the things that you want me to say. Amen. Amen. Has anyone ever been to Soul Survivor before? Can you put your hand up if you've been to Soul Survivor? Oh, there's a lot in the room. I love that. And um, When I was 18, I did a gap year of Soul Survivor, and it was called Soul 61. Um, yeah, it was like that. <laughs> Everything you're thinking, it was like that. Um, but part of the gap year, we had to go for all four Soul Survivors and Momentum at that time, back to back, and we just, like, went for it as part of this gap year. And we were on a different team at the Soul Survivor Festival each of the weeks. And so, one week, I was on this team called the Fringe Team. And it's a bit mysterious. I didn't know that the Fringe Team existed. But the Fringe Team is basically this team that when everyone's in the meetings, the Fringe team go out around the big top, or they go out into the fields and basically see who's not going to the sessions. <laughs> in a nice way. We were there to, like, <laughs> chat with them. It wasn't like, come on, get into the sessions. Um, I probably should say, if you haven't been to Southside before, it's a big Christian festival for young people. And there's thousands of young people meet. They worship Jesus um, We have an absolute whale of a time. Um, But anyone else was on the fringe team, and I was teamed up with this absolutely crazy guy. He was also on the fringe team. And he was, like, really prophetic and was, like, not ashamed about Jesus at all. Um, And I was little old me, who felt a bit nervous about talking to these teenagers smoking weed outside of the big top. Um, But, yeah, so this 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 is the kind of situation that happened. And we... There was one evening when we went outside the Big Top and there was about 10 teenagers just kind of like smoking, chatting, hanging out outside of the Big Top. They didn't want to be in um, the main venue, the main session. And I ended up talking to this boy and I just sat down next to this 13-year-old boy. And we were just chatting and um, he started telling me a story. And he basically, like, he wasn't a happy young man. He was... A bit, well, really, really broken and really angry and really angry at Jesus and for what had happened in his life. He had a really difficult childhood. Um, his, his dad had passed away. He then had got a, another, um, like a stepdad. He wasn't really nice to him. So he'd been through a lot by the time he was 13. And I was hearing all this and I was like, flip, like, yeah, of course you're angry at Jesus. Of course you're angry. Like, I, I would have been if that have been me. And he turned to me and he said, look at what I've done because of this. And he just pulled his sleeve back and his arm was covered in self-harm scars. And my heart just just broke for this boy. It just broke. And yeah, so we chatted and and he he went away. And I just thought to myself, like, flipping it, like, what can the Lord do for this boy? Like, I don't even know. I don't know how you're going to redeem the situation at all. And what have I got to offer him? And so uh, there was a few, of, a few of them around, and I began t- chatting to some of the other boys, and I just said, like, oh, do you think we should, like, pray for, that, for, that, for this guy? And they were like, yeah, 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 we should, we should, we should. I was just like, okay, well, that's good. The, boy, the, the mates are on board. And I was having this conversation. I turned around, and basically the crazy, prophetic guy who, who I was on the team with Was speaking to the boy that I just chatted to. I don't know what he said to him, but he shared a prophetic word with him. And this boy just absolutely broke down in floods of tears. And I don't know what he said, but like he was encountering the Lord. And so a few of us gathered around him. And um, I don't think everyone knew his story, but I just thought, I'm just going to like be like vaguely brave between me and the Lord. And I thought, I'm going to put my hand on his arm and just like see what happens. (laughs) And so we were all praying, and this boy was encountering the spirit, and I put my hand on his arm, and he just grabbed his arm like this, and it was like physical power going through his body. And I was like, I don't know what's going on, Lord. I don't know what's going on. And basically, he came out from being prayed for, and he just pulled his sleeve back again. And, like, there was nothing there. Like, every scar was gone. Um, Yeah, just an, an incredible sense of the Lord moving and redeeming this boy's life and I don't know what happened to him I don't know what he's doing now but he had a, a really undeniable experience of the Holy Spirit and I never ever ever thought that is what the Lord was going to do um yeah so it's a story of redemption a complete redemption and when we look at the story of Ruth God's redeeming love just as he was showing that boy is weave throughout the chapters of it Let's read throughout it all. And so if you haven't been with us for the past few weeks, we've been looking at Ruth. We've done chapter one, done chapter two. So I'm going to recap those just in case you're not on board. I'm going to bring you on board. So Ruth chapter one, that was two weeks ago now. We meet a family from Bethlehem, from Bethlehem and they move to a place called Moab. The family is, so we've got dad, who's Elimelech, mom, who's Naomi. They've got two sons, Marlon and Kilion. Marlon fancy two girls in Moab, and they marry two girls called Orpah and Ruth. So that's what's happening in Moab. But then all of the men die. Really, really bad times. Everyone's husband's died. And the girls are left to kind of sort it out, to try and figure their lives out. Being a widow at that time wasn't a good thing to be. Um, So they're trying to think, what we are going to do next? And so Naomi, who's the mother-in-law... She was like, right, we'll go back to Bethlehem because there's some good stuff going on in Bethlehem. We'll go back there. And so they set out on their way to Bethlehem. As they on the journey, Naomi probably has a bit of a revelation and she just says to Orpah and to Ruth, she's like, you know what? Like, why am I bringing you to Bethlehem? I've got no security for you, no provision, no money, no food, no nothing. Don't come. Go back to where you're from. And so Orpah is like, yeah, all right, I'm going to go back to Moab. And she does. Fair dues. But Ruth is like, no, you're my mother-in-law. I'm going to cling to you. I want to be with you. I'm going to commit to this relationship. And she says those famous verses that you probably heard that says, your people will be my people, and your God, my God. She clings to Naomi. When Jo spoke to us about this a couple of weeks ago, she spoke about the ultimate surrender and commitment that Ruth has to Naomi. And actually, she encouraged us, if we commit to God like this, if we give our whole lives to him, it's incredible what we can see him doing. Then Ruth, too. So we're back in Bethlehem um, And Ruth decides that she needs to get to work. She needs to, like, make something happen. She needs to get some food on the table for her and Naomi. And so she goes to glean in the fields. And gleaning is basically, it's like, well, what she did was, the workers in the fields were picking all the harvest, and she went behind them and picked up the scraps behind, so that her and Naomi would have some food to eat. She ends up picking in a field that is owned by a guy called Boaz, And Boaz is actually a relative of Naomi. And Ruth basically finds favor in Boaz's eyes. So much so that Boaz is like all about Ruth. And he's like, I want to make sure you're protected and you're provided for. He goes out of his way to make this happen. And when Lauren spoke about this last week, she spoke about the trust that Ruth had in God, in a God that she actually didn't really know, but she trusted him completely, completely. And how in Ruth's vulnerability, she like trusted that God was going to provide. And she encouraged us that as we come to God, in our absolute vulnerability, we go to him empty-handed, and actually the Lord gives us so much stuff. He provides for us. He gives us more than enough. So we finished last week with Ruth receiving this kindness from Boaz, But ultimately, she's still in a really, really vulnerable um, situation as a widow. She's a widow looking after a widow. It's not a great place to be. So our question for this morning, for this evening, is how is God going to redeem this situation? How is he going to redeem Ruth? How is he going to redeem Ruth and Naomi? So we're going to look at Ruth chapter three. We just heard it. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the time period that the book of Ruth is set in, the time of the judges. It was a pretty desperate time in Israel's history. There's death, there's destruction, there's idol worship, bad times. Stuff's not going well. And here we are in Ruth chapter three, and it starts with a conversation between Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. It starts with a concern. Naomi's like, we need to secure our future. We need a provider. We need a home. And in a culture where women's status and their lives were kind of determined by their relationships to men, Naomi's like, we need a man. We actually just need a man. And so Naomi has a plan to find this man. Uh, it's a strange plan. It's in um, Ruth chapter 3, verse 2 to 4. And basically, Naomi says to Ruth, Ruth, get dressed up. Look amazing. Put on your best dress, put some perfume on, do your makeup. Like, look and smell incredible. But she doesn't just say this. She doesn't just say look good. She actually, What she actually is saying is, Ruth, take off the clothes that signify that you are in mourning of your husband and put on something that shows that you're, you're available. You're ready. You're ready for marriage. She says that Boaz will be sorting out grain in his barn He'll literally be sorting the wheat from the chaff. And she says, Wait until he has eaten and drank, and then wait until he's laid down to sleep. And in those days, when the harvest happened, the people that owned the fields and owned the, the crop or whatever, they would sleep in their barns to kind of protect what they had, protect their harvest from thieves. So that's why he was there. But she says, Once Boaz has gone to sleep, go in and cover his feet. Lie down at his feet and do whatever he tells you to do. Strange part of the plan, but all right. And in verse five, Ruth agrees. She says, I'll do whatever you tell me to. She agrees to taking this risk. She agrees to putting herself in a really vulnerable position. She doesn't know what the outcome will be. She agrees to putting her whole trust in this man called Boaz, who she doesn't really know. So Ruth got ready and she headed down to the threshing floor and waited quietly for the right moment to kind of get the plan in motion. Now, I just want to highlight here how risky this is for Ruth. In those days, it was really common for prostitutes to be around threshing floors, as it was a time of harvest, of celebration, of drinking, and that kind of stuff just happened. So in a sense, Ruth, by dressing up, and making herself look attractive, in those days, she could have been mistaken to be a prostitute. So the plan that Naomi comes up with for Ruth, it's not a safe plan by any means. It's not secure. It actually puts her in a real risky position, a place where she could have been harmed or taken advantage of. In verse 7, it says that when Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. We don't know whether Boaz was drunk or whether he wasn't, but who knows? God can use each one of us in every different state we might possibly be in. So then Ruth begins to carry out this really strange plan. She goes in, she uncovers Boaz's feet, she lies down. And at some point in the night, Boaz is startled and he wakes up to find a woman at his feet. So up until this point, Ruth has followed Naomi's plan to the letter. She's done everything that she said to do. Actually, in verse nine, we see that she, that basically, not well actually, no. Naomi said to her, do, when, he, "When he wakes up, do what he tells you, or wait until he tells you to do something." Ruth doesn't actually do this; she takes matters into her own hands. When Boaz wakes up, he says, "Ask her who she is," and she says, "I am your servant, Ruth. Spread the cover of your garment over me, since you are the guardian redeemer of our family." I love this boldness of Ruth. Her sheer desperation, but also confidence to ask for what she needs. She just outright proposes to him. That's what this would have meant. She just proposes to him. There and then, she needs security, so she asks for it. So Boaz was one of the guardian redeemers of Naomi's family. And the guardian redeemers were influential relatives who were basically there to help family members who were in need. And it was normally around the kind of danger of a family line being lost or possessions being lost either. And so really, guardian redeemers are for people like Ruth and Naomi. As one of the guardian redeemers for Ruth and Naomi's family, Boaz shows such kindness and compassion for her. He wants to do everything that he can to make sure that she's protected and that she is provided for. We see in verse 12 that Boaz says there's actually another guardian redeemer who is a closer relative to Ruth, who's actually in line to redeem her and Naomi. And so he should be asked first as to whether he wants to take on Ruth and Naomi. So Ruth stays there for the night and then she leaves before anyone wakes up. But Boaz doesn't want to send her home empty-handed. We see that in chapter 2 as well. He's, He's a generous man. And so he sends her home with loads and loads of food. Ruth goes home and tells Naomi what happened, and then they wait to find out what will happen between the two guardian redeemers. So what is this saying about Ruth? It says that she's so committed to Naomi. We saw that in chapter one, but we see it again here, that she's willing to risk her life for the future and security of Naomi. She's willing to risk it all. And she is bold as well. She completely defies the expectations of what it was to be a woman in those days. She's the one who speaks first. She proposes to Boaz. She has a need and she presents it before him. She's bold. She doesn't wait for Boaz. And Boaz, what does it say about him? He could be trusted. He doesn't kick Ruth out when he's woken up in the middle of the night and he finds a strange woman at the end of his bed. He doesn't take advantage of her. He's a man of good character. And as I said before, Ruth could have been mistaken for a prostitute. In some ways, she's kind of putting herself in that position. But Boaz doesn't treat her like that at all. He treats her with ultimate respect and honor. We look this week at what um, Boaz is, what his name means, and it means swift. And Boaz is swift to help Ruth. He listens to what she needs, and then he promises to go above and beyond to make sure that it happens for her. When you look at the relationship of Ruth and Boaz in the context they were in, it's a complete contrast to what was going on in the world, in their world. In the time of the judges, it was one bad leader after another, really poor leadership, and actually increasingly worse as it went on. And the way they treated women in those days was absolutely horrific. Into this story, this culture, comes Boaz He shows us what a good leader could be like. He's honourable, he's compassionate, he's honest, and he upholds women. From the moment he meets Ruth, he upholds her and he treats her with respect and honour. Boaz shows himself to be a godly man. And we take this on a larger scale, we can see how the people in this story can be projected onto the larger scale of what God is doing and is still doing in the world. God shows himself as a redeemer in this story and in all of our stories too. And he's constantly writing a story of redemption and calling people home to himself. I want us to have a think about Moab. This is the place that um, Ruth came from. And Moab had a difficult history with Israel right from the start. And they were actually the first foreign group of people that led the people of Israel astray, away from God, which ended in idol worship. Not good. And as a result of this, Moses declares in Deuteronomy chapter 23 that no Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. No Moabite will enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. And as we know from our text today, Ruth was a Moabite woman. She was a foreigner who was married to an Israelite. I've lost my place. <laughs> there we go. She's married to an Israelite, and once, he, once this guy, Israelite, died, she gave herself to her mother-in-law, and she committed herself to Naomi. She joined herself to Naomi's story and she actually declared that her God, Yahweh, would be her God too. So there will have been some hostility towards Ruth when she came to Bethlehem because she was a Moabite, because of that history. But despite this, Ruth completely flips the script. She's described in this book as someone who is honorable, someone who is of noble character. And incredibly, we see the reversal, the complete reversal of what Moses declared, as God has brought Ruth a Moabite into his family, and he redeemed her so much so that she's part of the family line of Jesus, the Messiah. She was an outsider brought into the center of what God was doing. He completely redeems her life, and he places her in a significant position for his purposes. When we look at this story and how the characters map onto our lives now, we are Ruth. This is what the Lord does. He brings the outsider in. He grabs us by the hands and he pulls us into the center. And he gives us purpose. This is all of our story. And if it isn't your story yet, maybe the Lord is calling you this evening. But for me, I have felt the Lord constantly redeeming me and bringing me in throughout my life. The story of Ruth makes me makes you think of my teenage years. When I was fourteen, I moved schools, um, and I had a really difficult <clears throat> difficult time at this new school. I was bullied. and never experienced that before, and I was bullied so much that actually I spent my lunch breaks in the girls' toilet eating my lunch. It's really sad. I felt like a complete outsider. And it was hard, and I didn't really have the emotional maturity to process what was happening to me at that point. However, there was a real flip side to this season for me. So even though I was desperately lonely, it was a time that I actually first realized what it was like to have a relationship with God. Because I was sat on the loo, eating my lunch, I'd read my Bible, or I'd pray. And it was like really the moment that I like encountered Jesus for myself, without being with my family I felt the presence of God. And a couple of years later, into the season, I began to be mentored by a woman called Tina. Um, and she just saw something in me and she wanted to invest in me. And I was, when I met Tina, I was so bowled over by the way that she spoke about Jesus. Her whole life was, like, centered around him. And she was just like, you know, you meet those people that you're like, you just love Jesus. That's what she was like. And I've never met anyone like that before. And I was like, she's so buzzing that she, to mentor, that she wanted to mentor me. And so every week, she basically would pick me up after school, and she would drive me to a dance class. And because of the distance of the dance class, we actually ended up spending, like, a couple of hours in the car every week just chatting about Jesus and about our lives. And the contrast in my life was so huge at that point. because at, so at three o'clock, I was feeling like an outsider, like... Why am I at this school? This is awful. I'm so lonely. I've got no friends. And then four o'clock, I was in a car with Tina, and she was, like, investing into me. We were talking about Jesus. I felt the Holy Spirit. And it was just beautiful, and I felt like an insider. And through my, like, this mentoring relationship I had with her, I felt the Lord draw me in to, like, close intimacy with him. What Tina had, I wanted for myself. I wanted to know what a life centered around Jesus was going to be like because it was definitely going to be better than the one that i was living before through her i experienced jesus grabbing my hands in this desperate loneliness and drawing me closer to him he redeemed me the story of Ruth is a story of redemption the lord like boaz looks at us the foreigner the ones on the outside and he goes out of his way to bring us in, to provide for us, to make sure that we're looked after. Jesus is the ultimate guardian redeemer who willingly sacrifices himself for each one of us, so that every single person in this room, no matter your background or your history, he wants to do that. So he wants to do that for us, so he can provide for us, he can look after us. And he wants to bring us into his family forever. He shows us this through his death and his resurrection. He has completely redeemed us. He's took on all of our shame, our guilt, our addictions, our behaviors, our selfishness. He's took it upon himself. And he died so that every single person could have complete forgiveness. And then he went one step further and he rose from the dead. To show us that it is all over, that we actually don't have to live under any of that weight anymore. We can have freedom and life through Him. He is our Redeemer. He has done and He is doing this redeeming work in each of us and through us to the people we encounter in our lives. I was just thinking about home space um, this week on Wednesday. The Lord is doing something in that place. But it felt like this week, like, the Lord was not up for being contained. He was like, no, I'm not on your watch today. And, like, he was just in our conversations. And we, like, were praying for people and speaking truth over people. That's, we don't normally, my experience, we don't normally do that. But the Lord that week, this week was like, I'm not having it, you know. Like, these people are mine, and I want to redeem them. Um Yeah, it was beautiful. It really was. But this is what the Lord does. He's constantly on a mission of redemption. To redeem all things and all people for his glory and his purposes. So I just want to take a moment to respond to whatever the Lord has been doing in you. So why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. here already but I'm just going to invite him again to make himself known to us just open your your heart to him now Jesus we thank you for your presence thank you that you're here with us now and God we just pray for an outpouring of your spirit on your people on your children Send your spirit to be with us now.